Hello, everyone. This is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling and Electrical Marketing, the July 10th, 2023 edition of today's Electrical Economy Podcast Series sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. Champion began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit fittings in 1988 and in 1989 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met the most stringent codes and specifications. In today's podcast, we'll take a look at some large construction projects that broke ground in for the past few months. We'll look at the, some multifamily housing data at the metropolitan level, and we'll check out some trends in office occupancy. We'll also be looking at some weekly economic indicators that could give you a sense of where the U.S. economy is maybe headed. These five weekly indicators are initial unemployment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rig count, oil prices, and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fireballers for sponsoring today's Electrical Economy Podcast Series for 2023. For the week ending July 1, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted unemployment initial claims was 248,000. That's an increase of 12,000 from that previous week's revised level. The four-week moving average was 253,250, and that is a decrease of 3,500 from the previous week's revised average. The U.S. unemployment rate for May is 3.7%. These five states had the biggest decreases in unemployment claims for the data for the week ending July the 1st. Texas's claims were down 2013. New Jersey saw a decrease of 1,410. Colorado's claims were down 498. Wisconsin saw 491 fewer claims. And Maryland's claims were down 472. We did have a number of states that had some fairly big increases on unemployment claims of more than 1,000. Once the claim increases hit 1,000, it's worth watching to see if that is going to be a longer-term trend. Michigan's claims were up 6,729. New York saw an increase of 4,341. Ohio's claims were up 3,004. Kentucky saw an increase of 2,450. California's claims were up 1,825. Indiana saw an increase of 1,552. Tennessee's claims were up 1,468. Massachusetts saw claims up 1,063. And the state of Georgia saw claims increase 1,045. One of the more interesting leading economic indicators for the U.S. economy is freight rail traffic. It's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, or AAR. It publishes this data weekly at www.aar.org. Total U.S. weekly rail traffic was 474,443 carloads and units. That is down 3.2% compared with the same week last year. Last month, 11 of the 20 carload commodity categories tracked by AR saw, saw increases compared with last June. These included motor vehicles and parts, metallic ores, and crushed stone, sand, and gravel. Seeing the biggest increases were metallic metals at 22% and motor vehicles at 21% for a monthly increase. Commodities saw the biggest declines in June over last June include grain, coal, and chemicals. Grain saw the biggest monthly decline at minus 23%. AAR Senior Vice President John Gray said recent rail traffic patterns point to contrast in the broader economy. Rail intermodal units were down and they were largely consumer goods, but recent spending on goods had cooled considerably and with it intermodal volumes. On the other hand, rail carloads of industrial products are performing much better and they're reflecting strength in the auto mineral extraction and other sectors. The most recent data is a hair below the year-to-date average of 474,849 carloads. 
Four of the ten correlated commodity groups posted increases compared with the same week last year. They included motor vehicles and parts, which were up 2,509 carloads, non-metallic minerals, which were up 2,183 carloads, and metallic orders and metals, up 2,074 carloads. Commodity groups that posted decreases compared with the same week last year include grain, which was down 5,472 carloads, coal, which was down 4,430 carloads, and forest products down 922 carloads. If you track the oil market, you're probably familiar with the Baker Hughes rig count, and this tracks the oil and gas rigs that are operating. The data is available by state, by basin, and nationally at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. This slide gives you an idea of the largest oil and gas deposits. It really gives you a good sense of just how many of the large oil plays are in Texas, Oklahoma, and how big an area the Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. A deceleration in the rig drilling activity continued in the most recent data. The total rig count, as tabulated by Baker Hughes, dropped by eight rigs, and the total number of rigs, oil and gas rigs operating has declined 10.1% year over year. It's down 76 rigs and now stands at 674 oil and gas rigs. The Haynesville Basin that straddles the Texas and Louisiana border has seen the biggest decline both on a number and percentage basis. It's down 25 rigs year over year for a 36.2 annual decline. So West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil, or WTI, as of July 7th, is $72.12 per barrel, according to macrotrends.net. The average price of WTI per barrel is for 2023 is $74.73. The oil prices have edged above the $70 barrel mark again. They are still below the year-to-date average. Economists like to call copper pricing Dr. Copper because it's the leading economic indicator for future economic activity. And that's because copper is used in so many industries with the construction business among the leading markets because of its use in wire cable and copper plumbing pipe. Comex copper prices for the first in the first week of July were $3.78 per pound. They have been in the $3.70 to $3.90 range for the past 30 days or so. Despite a slowdown in some areas of the construction market, there still seems to be quite a bit of large project activity. In the last podcast, we took a look at the largest industrial projects that broke ground in recent months or are on the drawing boards. As we discussed, many of these projects are semiconductor plants or electric vehicle factories. According to the Semiconductor Industry Association, more than 50 new semiconductor projects have been announced in the wake of the Federal CHIPS Act, and a Deutsche Bank report said that 18 new chip-making facilities will have started construction between 221 and 2000. 23. Let's take a look at some of the other large projects and other construction verticals. One of the projects pictured here is a very innovative student village project at the University of California San Diego campus in La Jolla, California. The Detroit market is going to see a very large hospital project breaking ground soon. The Henry Ford Hospital expansion in Detroit, and that is going to be worth $2.5 billion. We reported on this one uh, previously, but there's going to be a new stadium being built for the NFL's Buffalo Bills for $1.5 billion. That broke ground in June. Airport construction continues to be very hot in many markets, and down in Atlanta's huge airport, Concourse D expansion broke around in February. That was a $1.4 billion job. Uh, in the utility market in Warren, Ohio, the Trumbull Energy Center, which is a combined cycle natural gas plant, broke around in February. We saw a large casino in Roanoke Park, California, that broke around in June. The Grattan 
resort and casino, a billion dollar project, a billion dollar uh, Nora mixed use development in West Palm Beach, Florida, broke ground in June. That's also worth a billion dollars. In North Scottsdale, a lot of activity there. We saw a groundbreaking that's planned for the Optima McDowell Mountain Village, a billion dollar project. And that project that we mentioned in La Jolla, California, the UC San Diego project is going to be a two. 2,400 bed residential village and student center. And that is also worth $1 billion. That broke ground in June. We're seeing some mixed reporting on the, one of the larger construction segments, multifamily housing data. Uh, the U.S. Census Bureau reported that the, the number of the seasonally adjusted annual rate for multifamily housing starts were up 39.6% over last May, but their permits over the same period down 11.9%. And if you look at that on a construction spending basis, the money being spent on multifamily housing through May year to date is up 20%. And of course, as with many markets, the activity is very regional. Miami, Nashville, and Phoenix are seeing the biggest increases, but New York is still pulling the most permits, but it's also seeing the biggest increases. Miami's year to date, the change in the Miami metro area, they're up over 3,000 building per, for multifamily projects. As we mentioned, Nashville, that number two spot, up over 2,700. Phoenix uh, metro, always growing in so many different areas of construction work, show, is showing a 2,571 increase. Riverside, San Bernardino, Ontario, Ontario area, just east of the Los Angeles area, is up also over the 2,000 mark, with a 2,357 increase in building permits. And Tampa, another fast growth market, is up 2,100 and 54. Other markets up over a thousand permits uh, so far this year through May. Durham Chapel Hill, Charlotte, Sacramento, Portland, and the Crestview, Fort Walton, and Destin area all up over a thousand. Then the 10 markets, as you can see on the slide, that had the biggest decrease in multifamily permits. We mentioned New York before, they're down 7,300 permits. Uh, Seattle is down 2,646. Minneapolis down 2,300 permits. Austin also down 2,000, and Kansas City down 2,000 permits year to date compared to last year. Other metros with some fairly large decreases in the number of multifamily permits, that would be Dallas and over 1,900, Boston Metro 1,350, Orlando down 1,338, the Washington Metro down 1,167, and San Antonio down 1,050. As we mentioned before, uh, if you, when you look at these large market areas, New York is in the lead spot, still with the biggest decline and still had the most permits with 9,620. Uh, Dallas is in the number two spot with 7,408. I think the billion or possibly trillion dollar question in the construction market is going to be the impact of remote work on the demand for new office space. Any report I see that says the Class A space is always going to be uh, in high demand, but there's going to be a, a dearth of uh, demand for some of this other smaller offices and maybe not as up to date. There's a company by the name of Castle, a research firm. They published something called the Back to Work Barometer, and that is a 10 city average of the percent of employees working back in the office. They get their data from the security card swipes or their security entry systems. You may or may not be surprised at the low percentage of folks working back in the office in various cities that will be on the next slide. And of course, that's got to have an impact on office construction going forward. Let's take a look at some of the specific markets. The Castle Back to Work Barometer's 10 city index is still under 50%. That's pretty amazing when you think of that, that, that how few employees really are back in the office full time. The 10 cities that Castle tracks are Austin, San Francisco Metro, San Jose, Chicago, New York, Dallas, Philadelphia, Houston, 
Los Angeles, and Washington, D.C. Houston has the highest percentage of folks back in the office at 61.2%. San Jose Metro has the lowest at 39.1%. Overall average, under 49.8%. That's kind of mind-blowing when you think of that, and it really does make you think about what the impact on office construction will be in the future. This wraps up our podcast for today. A special thanks to the folks from Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the Today's Electrical Comedy Podcast Series in 2023. Please contact me if there's any other economic data that you would like to cover in these podcasts, or if you have any questions on some of the data that we present in each podcast. Our next presentation will be on July the 24th, 2023. Until then, be healthy, be happy. I hope you get a chance to take some time off during the summer. And I'll be look forward to talking with you in two weeks.